are pictures recited in the recess and often this is called uh, just sila. Um, and this use of the word sila is actually a later use. Look back to the early text, the word sila has much, much wider meaning. And this to me is very, very important to understand. Very important to understand. When the Buddha talk about sila samadhi panya, the sila does not mean just observe like this actually. I've heard that thing. But uh, if you think like that, then it would not function as in the sila within the teaching of sila samadhi panya as the way out of suffering. Because you all you do is to keep the life resource as for the component of sila, that is definitely not enough. It will not be able to help you to job. It will help you in that when you talk about sila in that way, um Buddha is saying that the person who has uh who has sila uh, can go to a better place and be a uh, Human being again in a much better position can go to the heavens. But he didn't say that that would be enough for you to be free of something. If, if you practice sila, if you think in terms of one thing, practice sila for the sake of the freedom of something, then sila has to take a much, much wider meaning. And if you look into the how do you show me what is the meaning of this word silence or conduct? So it's not just about, okay, I don't care what I'm still, I don't do I don't all these bad, bad things, and okay, got it, I got it, I got it. No. It's not enough. Because behavior is not just about what you don't do, but also what you do. The certain things that we do keeps us within suffering. And there are certain things that we don't do also keep us today suffering. So I'm going to talk about this uh, by giving you some examples of how it actually works in your lives. Uh, let me start with myself. Okay, do you agree that it's a kind of summary? to have a sense of defectiveness, a sense of inferiority, a sense that you're not good enough, a sense of shame um, about yourself, something about yourself within you, whether it's true or not true, you believe that, that based on that you believe that you're not good enough, you're not good. Is that kind of something? Yeah. And what do you do? Do the research. Meditate. Is it the Hong Kong hell for you? <laughs> Anybody that five will go will know that it's not enough. Right? How do you spring Sailor means being related? You can't deny that. It's very sorry. It's one of the many times that people face this. And this is quite universal. The sense of not being good enough. Um, it's quite common among Chinese uh, community and Chinese society now, but it's not only one Chinese. If you go to the West, you have to sit down. Yeah, maybe even worse. Uh, 
don't know. But it says all over the world. And this is a kind of summary. And also it involves an ego because of this me that's gone to the down. So if you want to be free, you need to work on it on all three areas of Siva, and Banya. I'm going to touch on the Siva and Banya bit because it's quite important topic. Man. I touched only the, well, mostly on the uh, Siva bit. Actually, although we say you need to work on the Siva, to begin there, you need to work on the Banya and to work on the wisdom because the information. When I'm telling about you about these things, I'm giving you that information. I'm giving you that understanding. Because that's not enough, you still need to think about it and think about how to put it into practice. But I'll be focusing on Sila for this talk. So, um, when I was in, when I was a teenager, I did begin to notice that there was the same sense of shame in me. And my way to cope with this sense of shame is basically two things, two ways. One is to ignore it, pretend that it doesn't exist. It's a common thing people do. And the other way is to fight it. It's like is, is trying to do the complete opposite of that. That is to behave as if I'm better than others. That is how you fight it. And this actually makes the situation worse. When I ignore this thing, then I don't do anything about it. Well, can you change anything if you're ignoring it, pretending, pretending if you pretend it's not there? Something you have to do. Because to you, no, I'm okay, no problem. I remember this, this guy, interesting guy. Uh, he was in my retreat with his wife, a great man. During that small group interview that he had, two of them spoke about issues that they were facing. And my retreat is uh, people are free to talk about these things. For me, meditation retreat is not just go there and learn to meditate. Meditation retreat is for the purpose of being from suffering, so that should cover everything. Yeah. And meditation retreat is a good time to really, really look into things because you have nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so they talk about their problems, and then it came to this older guy, and. Uh, the first thing he said was, I don't have a problem. I don't have any problem. <laughs> I'm not asking you for problems. <laughs> I'm not asking you to say anything. You report on your meditation, you will talk about other things. But first thing he said, I don't have any problem. So I, I knew not to try to even go any further because it's not going there. No point trying to dig somebody's stuff when he doesn't want to get involved in that at all. Yeah. In fact, if you try to, you'll <laughs> probably get very, very angry. Yeah. So I, I left him alone. Yeah. So I, I didn't touch him and said, oh, I'm not asking for a problem. Just talk about meditation now. 
But um, because of his attitude, obviously he didn't go far in meditation as well. Because if you ignore your issues um, and you go for a meditation retreat, if you go for a real good meditation retreat, your mind will settle. And when as your mind settles, whatever stuff you have starts to surface. It starts to become obvious to you. Yeah. Just like if if you if you have this jar and in this jar there is uh, fish inside, and but because the water is very very cloudy, um, so you can't see the fish. Let me see some movement. I can't see the fish. But if you just uh, put down the jar, don't move it, and eventually this uh, stuff, the sediments, uh, they settle. Then you can see the fish. So it's been there. Just don't see it. And then what, that's what happens in the meditation retreat. It starts to settle. But mostly, when that happens, uh, a lot of people will just try to push it away all the same. And then meditation becomes a wrong kind of meditation where uh, you use it as a way to enhance your ability to ignore your problems. You become good at what you call dissociation. It's a psychological term. Uh, so now back to this thing about avoidance. Um, uh, this this one of the things that I did. Just pretend that nothing happened. Just haha, things away, uh, and things don't change. Uh, then the other way is to fight it. That is, as I say, try to make you feel greater, better than others. So there'll be uh, I'll find ways. I'll find ways in which I'm better than others. I'll try to enhance that. Um, and whatever ways that I think I'm not better than others, I'll try to pretend it's not there. Not that I can do it very well. <laughs> it's there anyway. Yeah. So things did not improve. Like for example, to avoidance, one of the things that I felt ashamed about was that my Mandarin wasn't good and I was in a Chinese school. Um, you could say one of the best Chinese schools in, in Malaysia, um, Jitsin, you know, Jitsin in, in BM. And I was either in, always in the first or second class. So I'm sitting around people whose Mandarin was really, really good. And I failed in Mandarin. <laughs> you know, to fail in, in any subject at all if you are in the first or second class is, oh yeah, really no face laugh. But that, that happens, and so I, because I was avoiding the issue, I never did anything about it. I didn't. I didn't do anything about it. I just tried to ignore it and just try to hide off. Uh, when the results come out, just try to quickly forget it. And so, how can you do anything to change? You can't. You can't change anything that you ignore. And you pretend does not exist. So, what about um, finding? Like an example would be to look for things that are better than others in. But you know, it's also strange. This is sometimes, although I I knew there were certain things that are, uh, I could well theoretically. Know that I, there were some things that I was better than others, and I was ashamed to show it. I was kind of like, 
Well, I kind of show it in a humble way. Try not to be too obvious. Yeah. One of the things was singing. I was a pretty good singer. Um, when I was in four five, there was a competition, and uh, I hardly did any uh, practice. There was little practice, but I got consolation prize. Yeah, compared to those people who actually went to, uh, who had singing lessons and all that. I did, never had any singing lessons. Yeah, I just did it on my own. And okay, consolation prize, not bad. Um, but when you, when you have this sense of defectiveness and you do something that's better than others, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing because you're afraid that if you try to do it and you fail, you feel really, really bad and go boom. And this is what happened when I was in university. Um, I went, me and my uh, course mates, we were assigned having to go to a, a beach. There was a uh, kind of assignment that our lecturer gave. So everybody went and there was a group of my friends and course mates who were the organizer of one event that was singing. So they had karaoke. So and a few started first. And then I said, no, I'll volunteer. <laughs> and um, before I started, uh, some of my course mates, there was a few Malay girls in front. I said, look at me, they bully girl. I said, no. And in my mind, I didn't say anything verbally, but in my mind, I said, you wait and see. <laughs> And I did a good job, actually. I did a good job. I sang Unchained Melody, which wasn't an easy song to sing. And the, the crowd, uh, they, they were clapping, and then uh, the guys with, with jaw dropped because they never heard me sing before. And then there's some crazy girls at the back screaming, ah! <laughs> so it was, like, it was a concert. And, and all throughout that period, I was very, very nervous. I wasn't enjoying myself. Anyway, the way I was enjoying myself because we got a lot of attention, a lot of people were really, really uh, enjoying that, that whole event. They thought it was good. But I was very, very uncomfortable. I was so, so concerned that what if I go off key? And when you're nervous, you're even more likely to go out key. <laughs> so I was so nervous all throughout. And at the end, I was like shaking. But people didn't notice. People didn't notice. Um, it was, there was a, uh, when I was singing, there was a group, not, not one of us, you know, walking, passing by. And then, then yeah, later on, uh, one of my friends uh, said, uh, Somebody asked, and the other group, they asked, was there a recording or a real person singing? <laughs> <laughs> so, although it was clear for me that I could do much better than others, it, and I could perform it, I didn't feel very comfortable. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable about it. There was this fear of being found out. And this is one issue that people face when they have this sense of inferiority. There's this fear of being found out that you're actually not that. You are not that good. You're actually not. This fear of being found out. 
And this fear is very, very uncomfortable. So now, in terms of sila, what do you do about this? What do you do about this thing? If you, if you don't have any idea at all, you just feel stuck in it. You feel, you feel that no matter what you do, you're, you're stuck. You know, you try to do well, you try to be better, and you have it, you try to avoid it, you still have it, and if you do nothing, definitely you have it. So how do you get out of this thing? So in terms of sila, there are a few things that you need to do. Basically, there are two things you need to avoid. Two, two, you need two things that need to stop. One is to stop avoiding, and one is to stop fighting. You stop this too, because when you avoid and when you fight, this is actually also karma, or karma in Sanskrit. You're doing something, you are reacting, and he said, karma means action. You're reacting badly to your situation. So in a way, it's bad karma, but not bad in the sense it's evil. Bad as it is, not wise, it's unskillful. Yeah, when you say bad karma, we need to expand this idea of what we mean by bad karma. Yeah, usually when it comes to Buddhism, it comes to any kind of religion, we talk about this bad karma, we talk of it, talk of it like a sin and all that, and we're just so limited in our view. And that's true, partly it is, yes, true, that's bad karma, but then if you're thinking in terms of you think you, if you have a wider perspective, you're thinking in terms of being free from suffering, then this unskillful ways of dealing with your issue is also bad karma, in the sense that you are not wise about it. You're unskillful. And these things need to be consciously stopped. This, and this is not easy. Why? Because it is so ingrained if you have been doing it for decades in your life, then it has become habit. And as you all know, habits are difficult to change. And habits will just come in as soon as there is a trigger that you may not be even conscious of it, and you are there and you're doing it. Maybe you didn't realize after you've done it. One of the things that I noticed I've done was to sometimes uh, talk in a way that shows that I'm more intelligent than others. And then after that, I say, why, why did I do that? Sometimes it could be just an accent. Sometimes I found myself speaking uh, in a British accent. Why did I do that? <laughs> and then, it doesn't make sense. Or sometimes I try to make you speak big words, which is not necessary for communication. So, um, so I know only after that I realized, oh, why did I do that? It wasn't necessary. No. And one of the things that, one of the ways that we, we fight this kind of uh, sense of defectiveness is, is actually very unhealthy and actually um, socially, very bad social behavior that is you put down others. Directly or indirectly, you put down others. You make people feel like they are lower, they are less. And when you make people feel lower and less, relatively, you are, you are greater, higher. But actually, you didn't change, you're still there. You just press people down. 
And as you press it now, you go down a bit further as well. So these things, all these ways of fighting or avoiding needs to be identified and stopped. And this needs constant effort, constant paying attention. And that is where the meditation becomes in. That is mindfulness. You know, meditation is not just about sitting down with your eyes closed and then you call it meditation. If that is meditation to you, again, it's not going to work. It will not free you. Because your effort to be mindful needs to come in to support your change of behavior. The three actually support, needs to support each other. They are not isolated, they are not uh, exclusive. They, inter they, need to be, they need to be integrated, they need to support each other. Without, without one, two wouldn't work. It's like a stool with just two legs, it can't stand. But we have a stool with three legs, and it can stand very well. Uh, tripod, you know, like say three, three legs. <laughs> yeah. Take away one leg, it's not going to work, it's going to fall off. They all support each other. So you, we need to stop these things, this avoidance, and how you avoid and how I avoid could be different. You have to find out your own. There will probably be some, a lot of similarities, but specifically you have to find out. And then consciously, deliberately, mindfully choose to stop this behavior. Now, what happens when you stop this behavior? Um, my experience was this. Let um, me tell you my story when I was really, really making an effort in this direction. I was meditating in Burma with my teacher, Seattle Tejan here. And there was a time that I, where I really, really recognized all the subtle ways that I that this was working. This was acting out. Um, the first, first very obvious thing when I reached that uh, meditation center was this sense of superiority that I was a better meditator than all these new people. <laughs> Hokkien people say, you're Sing Ka Xiao. I'm the Lao Jiang, the old timer. Uh, you, you new beast. Uh. There was this strong sense of that. And because you, after practicing a lot of meditation, this thing becomes very obvious. And I was watching that and began to feel, feel a bit ashamed of that. But again, I <laughs> ignored it, pushed it away, tried to push it away. Uh, well, one funny thing was that, uh, which I couldn't push away, was, have you, have you been to Burma? Anyone have been to Burma? Right, two. When did you go there? What year? 2019. Oh, that's a few years back, just a few years ago. Ten years ago. So I've been to Burma uh, much earlier than that. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm better than you. <laughs> right? I went, went to Burma in uh, first time well, was in year 2000. And at the time, oh, Burma was really, really poor. It was really poor. Strange thing, you know. Uh, it can be explained by strange that Burma was actually the most advanced country in Southeast Asia in the past. 
they were much ahead of Malaysia and Singapore. But then when the military government took over, uh, things went really down. Uh, there are even places where uh, the development was not only stagnant, it was negative. It was negative development. So when I was there, it was, uh, it was very obvious the first time I was there that people were very poor, uh, education was low and all that. So uh, it's very, very easy to feel superior. Very, very easy. Yeah. Even when I was there again in year 2009, um, it was still very, very uh, poor, relatively. Um, but then, by then, there were some people who could own pretty good cars. There were some people who uh, was making uh, quite a bit of uh, money already, and uh, they could own uh, cars that were well, I didn't see at all in, in the first time I went there. First time I went there, I know that the, the taxi that I went into, uh, there was one taxi that I went into where uh, one of the doors wouldn't open. It's permanently sealed lock. <laughs> you had to get to the other way. Right? And one of, one of the people I met, uh, she said when she came from the airport, the, the taxi uh, had to be started by hot wiring. So it was really, really uh, that poor. So it's very easy to feel superior uh, in that, in that uh, environment. You know, it, it has a sense that I, I came from a much better country. Mm. This is feeling. So uh, one of the things that happened that, that highlighted this thing to me again was that I was in the meditation center walking and then there was a car that came in and it looked like a car that is uh, comparable to the cars that you normally see. It's, it's not, not uh, luxurious, like, like high-end cars, but comparable to what you can see. And the thought that came in to me and I felt very ashamed about was that as a monk, this thought came out. Now, here's the kind of car that I would go into. <laughs> what? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> that I couldn't ignore. It was so, uh, to me, it was a bad thought. It's a really, really bad thought. Um, and there were so many things that came up during that retreat. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, about me as a meditator, about uh, the kind of cars I would go into, uh, maybe the food, the kind of food that I can get in Malaysia, etc., etc., etc. So it just hit me quiet and then boom, 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 boom. There was no way to ignore it. When when you are very sensitive, and that's what happens when you practice meditation, you become very, very sensitive, very, very clear about what happens within you. You start to see all the bad things, bad, bad things inside you. Yeah, and people generally don't like that. <laughs> it was like a friend of mine, first time she went for a meditation retreat. I didn't know I was such a bad person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it, it becomes clear to you. Yeah, it becomes very, very clear to you. And actually, to see all those bad things within you is a good thing. It's a good thing. And how else can we change if you don't see it? How else? It's a very, very good thing. But we feel bad because we take them personally. We take these things as who we are, or, or part of who we are, or belonging to us. 
And it always make me take things personally and make things more complicated. If you don't take things personally, then... Oh, okay. Oh, pride. That's interesting. Oh, this thought. It's interesting. It's not a problem. But once you take things personally, you get involved, you get entangled with it, and you fight with it or try to avoid it, then you cannot be free. So that's, all, that's why it's very, very important to regard these things as not who you are. It's just something that comes up because conditions are there for it to come up. It has to come up. There's no way that it cannot come up when conditions are there for it to come up. So so long as the conditions are there, it has to. It has to. So what can you do? You can't deal with the results, you deal with the conditions, with the causes. And one of the things that's important is the sila. So now, during that retreat, there were a lot of things that I could not deal with at the sila level. It was mental. It was just this. And when it comes to the mental thing, you can't just stop yourself. And in fact, if you try to stop yourself, that's not the right way to do it anyway. That is fighting it. You won't, you won't, you won't win. <laughs> you can't win that way. So, but at the sila level, things need to stop. And when Gautama Sila means physical action and verbal action. So things like saying things to make yourself feel great, important, more intellectual, more intelligent, that needs to stop. When you stop this fighting and you also stop the avoiding, something happens. That is, whatever sense of shame that you have become more obvious to you. And I can tell you, through my own experience, I can tell you, it's not a nice experience at all. It's not nice at all. And then I can understand why I continue to fight and avoid, and I can understand how, why others do the same. It was very, very uncomfortable. I can understand why some people who feel so bad about themselves that they can't fight, they can't avoid, and they have to use some kind of substances to numb themselves. Because it feels so, so bad. But I never took any kind of drugs or alcohol. Uh, well, maybe my situation wasn't that bad. Anyway, I also didn't like the taste of alcohol. <laughs> So, um, but I can understand why people do it. So, but then as a meditator, you learn to put up with it. You learn to be with that while it's still there. You learn to have the right view about it. It's just something, it's not who you are. And that gives you a distance. You feel like there's a gap between you and that thing. That is unpleasant. And this is very, very important. This is view that this is not who you are. That this is just something, an energy if you like. Just something. If we can do that, then it helps a lot. You don't feel so much that you need to fight. You don't feel so much that you need to avoid because this is something, it's not you. No, if it's not you, it doesn't matter, right? Be there, be not there. It's the same. And, and this is this is the best thing, you know. If you can come to a point where 
you don't mind it being there. Its presence and absence is the same. That's when you can really, really look at it objectively. But it's not an easy thing to get to here. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. So anyway, while it's there, you have to be, be willing to put up with it. And that is a time where you can see clearly, what is this thing? Why is it there? Why does it go on? And this is the, are there some things that you do that continues to strengthen or continue to support this thing? Now, why is it there? It would mean also, how did it start in the first place? Sometimes, as you feel that thing, it might make you recall something from the past in your childhood, something that felt exactly the same. And that's when you get to see a connection of how this started. And when you can see that connection, it's really, really powerful. You can really break it. You can just go boom. Which is, uh, um, this, this is how, how I experience um, To cut, cut off this thing. No, when you say cow, it is not something that you can do deliberately. But when you understand it, it cuts off on its own. It just disappears like magic. So this is the uh, kind of thing that you, 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 you need to apply sila. You need to apply uh, changes in, in behavior in order to free yourself from the suffering. If you remember, I was talking about feeling ashamed about um, my level of memory. So one of the things that I did was to change that as well. Now, it's not absolutely necessary to uh, try to improve in certain things uh, if it's no longer necessary. Like if you thought that you, um, other people could do certain things uh, better than you, and uh, but you don't need that thing at all. You know, it's no longer applicable to your life now. Then doesn't matter. But being able to uh, speak and write Mandarin better uh, was applicable to me. It still is applicable to me. Um, so I did that because I found that as a Dharma teacher, uh, it would be useful in. in in our environment here, it'd be useful if I could speak Mandarin, to communicate in Mandarin. So I, I pushed myself to improve in it. I worked on it. Um, I didn't have any kind of uh, systematic way of doing it, but uh, whatever came to my mind, you know, writing down, uh, I, mean, I think of an English word that I don't know how to express in Mandarin, so I check it up and I write it down and I look at it again. Uh, eventually, I found that that wasn't necessary, but um, I, I worked it out in different ways here and there. Uh, look at videos where there are subtitles underneath, you know, you know, to pick it up. And slowly, and it didn't take long. Um, although 
Mandarin didn't improve a lot yet in the beginning, but there was a sense that it was moving. And when there was a sense that it was moving, it already changes how I feel about myself. That, hey, I can change, I can do better than this. If I, if only if I wanted to and actually make an effort, it's possible. And then changes how I felt about myself. So this idea of defectiveness began to fade. That was an important thing for me. And people were also noticing, oh, Pandey Kumara's mentally now better. Before that, I, I was, you know, even if I did, I felt like I didn't do a good job. But, uh, but people don't seem to mind too much. They're still trying to figure out what I was trying to say. <laughs> so, um, I, I suppose they support me for my effort. <laughs> so anyway, um, think these are things that you need to do. Uh, if you really, really feel that there are certain things that you're not good at and it's important to you, then make an effort. You don't have to be perfect. What is perfection anyway? You don't have to be perfect. But so long as you're making an effort and you can see the change, already it fundamentally changes your view of yourself. And that is already very, very significant. And you feel more and more comfortable about yourself and this suffering, you start to notice this suffering is fading, it's going away. Just keep moving, keep moving. That's all you need to do. Yeah, it doesn't matter how long it'll take. People sometimes ask me, you know, Monday got this problem. How long would it take for this thing to go away? I how I don't know. I'm not supposed to know. I don't know. Yeah. But I know that if you make the right kind of effort, then you're moving in the right direction. And that is enough. Okay, let me speak of something else, um, something else related to other person, another person. So recently I uh, posted an article on failure. Um, it's about some people not finding themselves uh, successful in things and they seem to continually fail to succeed. And for these people, it is, uh, it's not the same as a sense of defectiveness or the sense of inferiority. It, the person doesn't feel defective, not necessarily, unless they have both issues. But they feel like they are a failure and they can never succeed. And these people strangely will sabotage themselves. They will make sure that they don't succeed. One of the ways they sabotage themselves is to work at things that are beyond their capacity, unrealistic goals. I mean, go for those kind of things. Like, like, like for example, uh, I want to be a billionaire by the end of this year. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's an unrealistic goal, yeah. So when you have unrealistic goals, you're sure to fail. And when you fail, you increase the sense of failure. Or if you, like in, in most cases, you ignore. It's just pretend nothing's happening. This, nah, nah, just push this away. Then again, you don't do anything about it. 
nothing changes. Yeah. So you need to actually stop avoiding. You need to actually stop fighting in order to actually meet this very uncomfortable thing, which makes you do things that uh, make sure that you will never succeed. Like just doing things haphazardly, you know, just chin chai chin chai la, you know. Then you do things chin chai chin chai, the results are chin chai chin chai la. You'll never get to something that's better. In order to succeed, then you have to improve. You have to do better in things. You have to be willing to put in the effort. And effort is not just about this bulldozing kind of effort. You need to make intelligent effort. So uh, if you are ignoring or you are doing this, overdoing things, then you can never do the right thing. And you're stuck in it. So, um, so there was this girl who, who has this issue, and uh, she, let me see, I don't really remember what uh, she told me now, but she said that article did give her all the necessary things that she needed. And one of those things was uh, back to early on, the same thing, like remember to see that it's not who you are, that's all very important. Stop avoiding, stop fighting. And when it comes to the strategies as to how to succeed, I mean, that, that you can find on the internet, you can go Google. Yeah, yeah. You don't need me to tell you that. Yeah. I, I, I just provide things that you cannot find on the internet. Yeah. You can find those things so easily. So um, I fill up, fill up the gap. Then for people with this sense of failure, as just in this girl, it's enough. She knew what to do already. All this, this basic stuff. Um, that, that, that article wasn't very long. I tried to keep, keep, keep it short. This is more than 500 words, which is a very short article. So this, this is what you, this, this is the kind that thing that we need to do. In everybody, every one of us here is different. Although we have suffering, we all have suffering. That's how we are the same. Uh, oh yeah. But we, are, we have different issues, we have different things to work on. We are stuck in different things. We have different karma to change. And so, and because of that, we need to understand our own stuff. We need to understand how we are stuck in suffering. And so that we can work according to what we need. A basic thing is still sila samadhi panya, but what specifically, you know, anybody can say these three words. Sila samadhi panya, very easy. <laughs> you say it over and over, but specifically in one way, you will have to look at what you're facing. You have to be very, very specific. What issues do you have? In, 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 my opinion, in fact, not just an opinion, my observation, my own experience, is that these things, these psychological issues, if you don't deal with them, you can't get enlightened. There's no way that you can move far when you have these big hurdles. Some people uh, make a distinction between, oh, this is a psychological issue, this body issue, this is not spiritual one, uh, not Buddhist one, uh, you don't have to you don't have to pay attention and just meditate, uh, get jhana, okay, get light and finish habits. Uh, 
Uh, it's, it's easy to, to say, say that. <laughs> doesn't work. Just because, because suffering is suffering. suffering. Attachment is attachment. When you have these psychological issues, you're attached to certain beliefs about yourself, about the world, about others. If you don't release those things, then you're still stuck. There's no difference between spiritual, atta spiritual attachments and worldly attachments. Attachments are attachments. Clinging is not clinging. So if you can't even unclean yourself from these gross things, then you can forget about this finer or subtle clinging, like a clinging to the sense of self. Um, we work from the bigger things down to the more subtle things. When, if you go to a meditation retreat and you're allowing your mind to settle, the thing that will come to you will be the big ones, the big, big issues in your life. It'll come to you first. Then once you clear that off, then you'll deal with the smaller ones. Then you return to the big one, but then a smaller size of the big one because you have shaved off a big part of it. And you keep going and going and going. Yeah. And in between, maybe you also get to have some spiritual insights and that supports the, the, uh, the other kind of insights, and it goes on. Now, by the way, insights cannot happen when you want it to happen. It never happens. Yeah. That can never, never occur. It only happens when you don't think that it's going to happen. <laughs> it's not something that you can uh, create at will. But if you were to do the right thing, you create the right conditions, removing all those things that are preventing that from happening, and putting in those things that will allow it to happen, then with the right conditions, it will happen. And that would feel very, very magical. So I think that's enough uh, in terms of information. That's basic information about how you need to add how sila is not just keeping the five precepts or even to uh, not even just uh, just to be a good person uh, not to do evil but it has a much wider meaning it means behavior and so you need to look into what kind of behavioral changes that are necessary uh, for you to free yourself from whatever suffering that you want to free yourself in yeah, it's something very very personal right uh, if you make an effort, you, you won't accidentally free, free, more, free more of yourself than you, you want to, you, that can possibly happen. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of effort, it's a lot of continual attention. Sometimes you will go backwards, but never mind, and you learn and you go forward again, again and again and again. Doesn't matter if you fail just matters that you learn from your failure. If you do fail, learn from your failure and keep going forward. So that's all about this talk. Right, question. Question time. And um, according to Brother Bobby, uh, you'll get priority. If uh, you don't ask questions, then uh, those who are online will ask. So, no, no priority online business. No online business. No online. Don't take. Oh, not taking. Okay. okay. All right. No <laughs> online ones. Okay. So, it's all yours. Those who are here. Anybody like to ask any question? 
Can you go ahead? Oh, oh, I thought you wanted to ask. Anybody? If you're waiting for others, just lift up your hand. <laughs> okay. Morning. Uh, Morning. Yeah. Just now, um, when we talk about the behavior, um, I just thinking about how people can obey their behavior or understand their, be their behavior, uh, especially in their daily life. Mm -hmm. Because we tend to make mistakes, even with precepts. And okay. I just found out. Uh, something about myself is like oh i have this behavior okay <laughs> then i constantly i make the same mistake uh, not until i knew i knew it then i cannot say i cut off it but i eliminate and try to uh, lower down the degree okay uh, yeah i want to know uh, how people can away Mindfulness, <laughs> mindfulness lots and lots of mindfulness mindfulness oh in in the beginning um, we usually only realize it after, after the fact, after we had done it. You know? uh, to, to give an example, uh, in terms of the five precepts, you know, I, mean, I remember when I started trying to observe the precepts of not killing, uh, it wasn't happening, it wasn't working. You know? There were so many years of uh, habit in killing mosquitoes. And it's so automatic. You just feel like a sensation that feels like a mosquito bite. <laughs> you don't even have to look. You're so skilled at it already. You don't have to look. You can even do it in your sleep. <laughs> so that is difficult. But, and, and, and I realized, uh, and that happened while I was also trying to meditate, I, I found that I was only able to do it after I went for my first meditation retreat. Before my first meditation retreat, I, I could not do it. What? Yeah. Oh, and then remind myself, okay, don't do it again. Then boom again, then boom again. So then after going for my first retreat, it didn't suddenly change either. Oh. Mosquito. And then you say, sorry, okay. All right, next time, try, try, try. And next time, the hand goes up, the hand moves towards it. I suddenly remember, but the momentum was too strong. Boom, it goes down as well. The deal is done. But it was a slight improvement. There was this uh, bit of knowing before the actual killing. And then went on. Um, again, I remind myself, and, and it is important when you want to change a behavior, you need to be conscious of it as much as you can, even if you did not manage to change it yet. Like let's say, in the case, boom, it's done. Now you want to be conscious of it, you don't want to just ignore it. Yeah, what people tend to do is they've done something that they feel that they shouldn't do, they feel bad and try not to think about it. So they don't feel bad about it. But that is a mistake. When you ignore it, then there is you don't give yourself a chance to strengthen that, that 
um, the idea of that you don't want to do it. But if you have done it and then you remind yourself, okay, that's not what I want to do in the future. And when you do that, there is a stronger idea in your mind. So that the chances of repeating that thing will be much less. Yeah, It gets less and less and less. So that's what I did. And I remember it was the time when I lifted up my hand and I remember and Okay, quick, quick go, go away before I change my mind. And then later on, I noticed there is a desire, as an intention. There was also the subsequent muscle tension of wanting to lift up the hand, and then already the awareness was there. And so it did carry on. Go, go, go. So, so it evolved. And it can only evolve if you become conscious of it. Uh, or in other words, mindful of it. And this thing takes time to develop. And again, it's one thing, even if you fail, bring in a lot of awareness into it. Okay, so this is all right, this is what happened. And maybe sometimes you need to do some bit of investigation. Okay, so why did I do it? Yeah, why did I do it? If you could recall before that, how were you and all that? Okay, maybe sometimes you do some things. Uh, you're more likely to do certain things because your mind is a bit more disturbed. It's not so composed, it's agitated, and in that in that state, then you're more likely to do something that you regret. Yeah, because the mind is not uh, stable. When the mind is more stable, is more composed or collected, then the the wisdom can work better. Your mindfulness and everything will work better. Yeah. So, so it all no, comes, like, like I said, no, Sila Samadhi Panya all comes to play. All right. So, so you, you just need to be wanting to move in that direction, direction and you just keep trying. trying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all magic bullet to this thing. Yeah. You just have to keep making that effort, reminding yourself, and if necessary, if you find that it's not moving in that direction, then you have to do a bit of investigation, things like that. Okay. Yeah. Loss of mindfulness. Uh, can I have another question? Okay. Uh, just now uh, mentioned about the psychology insight mm. and the spiritual insight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to compare these two, uh, which one uh, can be cut off? What makes it cut off? I mean, you, you, you want, want those insights. insights. I mean, oh, I mean, yeah. to, to cut off things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, both, both are necessary. Both are necessary. Uh, you, you don't need to think, uh, I need one more, have more of this, more of that. Both are necessary, and you cannot choose which one to happen first anyway. <laughs> Just work on the conditions. Yeah, no, no need to make any comparison, no need to make any decisions about them. They, they come as they come. Yeah, and they can work together too, like for example, there was a thing about me that I uh, that bothered me. There was fear of doing wrong, fear of making a mistake, fear of doing something wrong, and then people find out about it and get scolded. Uh, so that made me hide things that I do wrong. Yeah, nobody found out about it, then okay. 
six months. <laughs> so it may be high. And even if I didn't hide, uh, when I realized that there's something wrong, I felt very, very uncomfortable. And what I normally do is to try to ignore it, push it away. Um, that's how I cope with it. So then uh, what happened was there was an occasion I did something and I felt that was very wrong and that feeling came to me again. I don't even remember what it was anymore, but that, I remember that feeling came to me again. And at first I tried to ignore it, but then I realized, okay, this is not it. In fact, I've, I've done this thing so many times already, pushing the way. It didn't solve the problem. The issue was still there. I feel so tortured by this thing that at that time I decided, okay, this time. I don't, I don't care. care. I'm, I'm going to watch, watch you on the deal. I get rid of you. I get out of you. This time, you're, you're not going to let you talk to me. I'll talk you back. So, so there was, was a very, very strong determination, strong, strong desire to work on that thing. So I didn't run away. I didn't avoid it. I didn't try to push it away. I didn't try to ignore I let it come. But in the beginning, although I let it come, there was still resistance in me because it was such a habit. So okay, okay, never mind, the beginning is like that. that. Just let it be, be. Just, just watch the resistance, you watch that thing. And, uh, and it, 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 it didn't, didn't happen the whole day, day. it just comes and goes. Certain times of the day is there, sometimes it's not there, and when it's there, sometimes it gets stronger, sometimes it gets less. You know, if you if you make a sound day, it's like, and sometimes it it goes, it goes up, up and down. down. And, and I, I just needed to be patient, really, really patient to see it go up and down. And, and it took me three days <laughs> of dealing with it going up and down. And on the third day, something unusual happened, something that I didn't expect. I was doing my Qigong, and then the memory came up again of this thing, and the feeling came up. Along with it. And at that time, the attitude was really, really good. There was right view and right attitude towards it. So it's just something. And there was no resistance whatsoever towards it. It was just something like it's just something in front of me. It's like an energy. And then suddenly it hit me. So, so interesting. It hit me. Hey. The presence and absence of this thing is the same. The presence of this is a condition, a situation, a phenomenon, and the absence is also just a phenomenon. It's just different. One is not better than the other. They are equal. They are not the same. But they are equal. It's like this and that is equal. It's just different conditions. And with that, and this kind of insight, you know, insight, it just, just went on, boom. Completely like magic, you know, it was. So, um, I don't even remember why I tell the story. <laughs> but I uh, see, uh, I'd like to point out something about this. You know, in the past, if this kind of thing happened, I'll be very shameful. 
feel very ashamed of Now people are going to think that I uh, this person are very unmindful. Now I don't care about it anymore. But I was I, I'm happy to tell you about my tell this story. Okay, let me try to go back. Uh, so why did I tell this story? I was telling you about maybe it's not so important anymore. Uh, so it, it's it's something that we need to do. Uh, the know-how could do it. And this is this maybe it has to do with psych psychological psych or, or spiritual psych. Yeah, but it it works together. Works together. Yeah. Although at that time it was a psychological issue, but eventually it came to a spiritual insight. It's based on that, that issue. So you don't have to be afraid of the stuff that you have. Like you use them as food. They are not problems. They are things that you can use to to to, to cultivate your your good qualities. I mean, if you don't have any problem, right? What's the point of cultivating anyway? What practice, right? Where's the motivation? There won't be a, a Buddha. There won't be a Buddha if you don't have a problem. It's because we have problems. We have suffering. Then we see a purpose, a reason, a motivation to practice. Today, I'm not a problem itself. You don't see them in the right way. We have necessary conditions. Even the ego and all that, it's a necessary condition. So there's no need to uh, differentiate between uh, spiritual and psychological insights in terms of practice. Anybody else? Okay. I'm curious. Uh, this uh, practice or or the process of admonishment. I'm curious. Admonishment? Yeah, from the from the monasteries. Ah. We have an opportunity to ask. That's what I said. Ask them that. Are there any kind of questions? Oh, okay. You're talking about. Um, I think you're talking specifically about uh, a time of the year that's called Babarana, uh, invitation, where the monks ask each other on whether they've seen, heard, or suspected anything about mania. And other than Pash, please uh, let me know so that uh, I can address uh, they, they need not necessarily be, although people tend to think of it in terms of something uh, bad that the monk is doing or has done, but it may not necessarily be that the actual raising of that invitation does not limit it to those to those things only. So the you can say beyond that. You can say, I noticed that um, 
whether it's mundane, like if you're talking to the baby or whatever. How are we keeping the sila, the pancha sila, safe as a support how will it support? Well, it can give you a, a lot of practice in behavioral changes, in trying to change your behavior. If you practice, like for example, I have talked about uh, stopping myself from killing. It's a very gross thing. Yeah. So if I find that I can make that change, I, I believe that I can make other changes. Yeah, you can get the gather changes. So it, it, with the support and sense of so change and believe in you and you can improve. So would you be uh, talk about what you uh, mentioned just now, be of public speaking. So now how, how does that work in terms of slap? Yeah. How does that does that work in terms of behavior? Well, you have to avoid you have to stop avoiding public speaking. Occasionally things might happen, perhaps work, uh, you give a presentation and a lot of people with this situation that is bad. You you do not do that. No, I push it to the other team members, you I don't know, I don't know, I'm not so good at this thing. You're better, you're better, you do. So don't do that. Stop. Yeah. If that's then we have to think like this. We don't have to do it perfectly. We don't even have to do it very well. If we want to change, we just have to do it. Just have to show up and do it. Don't hide. And it doesn't matter if you don't do it very well, but because you actually did it, and then it just did like 10% well, you know, 10% of 100 points, getting 10 points as failure, <laughs> as failure. But, it's better than zero. And, and that 10%, if you let us keep at it, the later is 12, 20, it goes on. If you didn't start with that 10, when is it going to change? So it doesn't matter if it's 10. It doesn't matter if you bomb. It doesn't matter. You know, you can start off telling people, I'm really, really scared standing here. It's not all like that. Really, really scared. My legs are shaking. Nobody's business. I remember my first time. I, oh, well, that wasn't my first time. But the first time I became conscious of it. The first time I gave a public speech, but I was in the garden. <laughs> I was to give a uh, graduation speech in Malaya. Student memory. Yang mulia tuan pelarusi, tuan guru besar, ibu bapa, guru guru. Uh, Ibu Bapak dan rakan-rakan sekalian, hari ini, and I don't remember the rest. <laughs> so, at that time, I, well, there was no fear because I, I didn't know what, what I was doing. I was just following the script. There was no conscious, there was no idea of shame or that I might make a mistake and people would think poorly of me. It was absent, so there was no fear. But as you grow up, you have to have this idea of I don't think that you have about me and think that I'm this and that. Actually, you don't have to be something for you. <laughs> so, but then it's there, and it's very disturbing. When I was in uh, Standard 6, I went on stage in the school hall, and it was the first time when to stand in a place so high, higher, much higher than others. 
know, I, that was my first experience. And I tell you, my legs were shaking like jelly. <laughs> well, at least it got so to me. That's so to me. Uh, after coming down and I asked yeah, another contestant, uh, it was the top storytelling competition. Uh, did you see my legs shaking like crazy? <laughs> but it really felt like it was shaking like jelly on the <laughs> It was terrible. It was a very horrible experience. But I started with something. I started with something. Uh, today my legs are shaking. I thought it was something. Late thinking, they don't actually think. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you have a problem, you will definitely have a problem. But you need to make the effort so that the team will change. Maybe you don't have to do a big, big thing. I mean, maybe you start with making an announcement, small things, slowly graduate yourself. Whichever way that you want to do it, if you're comfortable about it, but still you need to work on it and do something. Stop avoiding it. So, so if you find that you can change in terms of the five perception, do it so. That is how it is thought. So can you sing in Mandarin now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't sing so much Chinese songs. Uh, I used to listen to English songs. Not so much into Mandarin and uh, uh, Cantonese songs. Uh, but I, 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 did, I did sing to you when I was a main person. But don't ask me about current songs. <laughs> <laughs> my, my songs were though. Old songs. Now, now you call them old songs. And my question is, um, you actually mentioned about meditation, and I got the impression that you meditate because the objective goal is to change behavior. No, not just that. Uh, meditation is for I do it a lot. Freedom just on relax and full stop. Yeah, a lot of people do that, and for a lot of people, meditation is just about coming about mind and all that. It's helpful, but then uh, that's all okay. If you get it at all, <laughs> you may not get it. Yeah. Uh, so for me, meditation actually comes together with the rest, with the slides, together with the wisdom, and uh, it is all all that needs to come together for working towards freedom or something. Um, otherwise, meditation is just a come down the mind, and later on you mess up the mind again and mess up my color. Because where you want the Combination of one practice to change you. So that, um, to give an example, so that you will find that you do not react negatively as badly as you did in the past. For example, say in the past, uh, when, let's say you have a sense of effectiveness, yeah, uh, or a sense of failure. And you see your former soulmate uh, driving in a very, very big flashy car and you drive a Tanchio. <coughs> How do you feel about that? Now, if you, if you have done your work, then in the past, you would perhaps in the past feel really, really uncomfortable. And if you've done the work, 
Maybe you don't feel anything. Or maybe you just feel just a little bit of that. And you know, even times that you actually find the damage change this matter. This is matter to you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to improve yourself. It doesn't mean that you're going to make more money. But you don't have to feel bad as a form of motivation. You just do it because you want to do it. I think it's a good idea. So, so that kind of thing, you no longer try to make yourself feel good because you no longer feel bad. Right. And that is done through meditation. That's done through the Siddhas Manya, all three. It needs to be all the time. If you just meditate, meditate, how is it going to change? It's not going to change. Yeah. Even if you only did mindfulness, watch mind, be mindful, 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 practice. Because meditation is not about sitting down with the eyes closed and then sit down. To me, that is meditation, but that's not, going, that's not meditation that's going to really help you. That's not meditation that will change you. That's just some kind of uh, daily routine and exercise, mental exercise at all. No more than that. If you want it to be something that will change you, then you need that to be something that's integrated into your life. Meditation is something that is done in your daily life, not just... No. Yeah. Can you be conscious as you speak? Can you be conscious as you go to the toilet? Be conscious as you drive a car, eat. Can you do that and you become very, very self-aware, then change of behavior becomes easier and it's also easier for you to think wisely because you can remember to think wisely what it comes to. Talking about the strength you said, learning from many bikes, I basically I lack a job and at times during conversation that exaggerate uh, certain things like that. Is this actually uh, <laughs> telling lies or something Now a lie would be really a lie intended others to believe the lie. Yeah. But if others knew that you're just bullshitting, <laughs> then you think that you can't see. But there are some people who actually believe. It has to do with your intention. It has to do with your intention. If you intended it, and even if others didn't believe it, that's still a lie. That's still a lie. Uh, my, my, my teacher, Baba, uh, he's a real joker. <coughs> and, uh, you won't meet a meditation teacher who can joke so well. He's <laughs> really, really a joker. His, 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 his name even before he became a bummit. So he will be very, very uh, good at joking in his uh, interview session. But if you're not in the interview session, you're outside, you'll hear something, wow! Then people laugh and laugh, you know, and you'll have no way of to wish that you can So once there was a response, uh, who really get what the teacher was teaching. It's not, uh, I think it's not very intelligent. So he couldn't really get what he was teaching. It took him many months before he could really get something. And the teacher was, 
but it would disappoint that, you know, it's like, how come we can't get it? So, but anyway, uh, what I want to say was, there was a uh, time that he asked something that the teacher just went. What he asked was, what posture is the best for meditation? And my teacher is somebody who keeps telling me, oh, body is not important, the mind is important, because the mind is the one doing the job of the body. It's not the body that meditates, the mind that meditates. So, Oh, what, what, when you ask, what's the best posture of meditation to you? Oh, you've been here for three months and you're still asking this kind of question. And so he's, I saw his face change, man. <laughs> and then he said, hey, stand. <laughs> <laughs> and so everybody laughed, and he went, <laughs> <laughs> So he intended to lie, he wanted to really people to believe that something that's not true, then it's lying. Yeah. And this actually, uh, uh, this actually is important when it comes to people changing certain psychological behavior uh, When we sort of say something uh, that is not really true, uh, sometimes it is uh, comes in the form of sarcasm. Sometimes it is uh, in order to put down others to so make yourself feel better and all that. This, this is some some sort of things that we need to watch out for as well. So is it just for really just a joke, or is there some kind of subtle way to demean other people? Watch out for that. Sometimes people also come to the form of avoidance. You don't want to do something and then you know, avoid speaking public and then you give some kind of excuse which isn't true. Yeah. So you see, if you're really, really committed to the precepts, the five precepts, it helps a lot in terms of your psychological issues. Doesn't mean that if you don't tell if, if you don't tell lie, you have to tell the truth, you can shut up. Yeah, you can choose not to say anything. You can also tell the person that I'm sorry I don't want to say. But when you have decided that you don't lie, you have many, many other options. It's not that if you don't lie it means you have to tell the truth. Yeah. What what do you think of my dress? Uh, looks interesting. <laughs> <laughs> to follow on this aspect of um, of that uh, meaningless conversation, meaningless speech and other. Okay. What what is the uh, medium to long term uh, effect on the uh, practitioner's mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we cut, cut it down. You know, so yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. The body is called like, and I wonder if there might be some kind of etymological uh, connection because uh, a lot of Malay comes from India, Sanskrit. Yeah. Mm. So, um, 
if you engage in this long idle talk, people know you well. Yeah. Also, things and nothing, and at the end of which, you don't remember what we talked about. You know, and it doesn't matter at all. Have you done that? Yeah. How did you feel? How do you feel after that? Yes, exactly. Tired. Yeah. Your mind is actually messed up. If you are meditator, you realize that you don't want to do that housing because you can see the state of mind is not really messed up. So when your mind is messed up, how can the meditator? How can you be conscious of your behavior and all this stuff? It actually breaks your your mental level, your mental levels, uh, what you call yeah. Although it is not. Uh, evil in the sense of how we normally use the word evil, but it is in a way evil as it, it breaks your mental quality. Yeah. It's a difficult thing uh, to, to be avoid. Probably the reason of the you know, right speech, the four right speech. Uh, this is the only one that is uh, not included in the advanced precept. It's very difficult. But if you're a meditator, you want to, you're a cultivator, you want to improve uh, yourself, you're constantly trying to improve yourself, then you avoid this type of speech. Uh, it is not necessary to say, yet you say, obviously, there's some kind of unwholesomeness. Yeah, although it might be just very subtle, we you know, when we talk about this, also, what we call nonsense, there's always some kind of desire. Okay, what you say is interesting, but it's more interesting to say than you, you know, just waiting for you to finish talking. Not really listening anymore. You know? So, you know, especially when guys talk about politics. <laughs> you don't know half of what I know. <laughs> <laughs> Something even better. You know, I've got even better analysis than you are just waiting for you to finish. So, there's always this stuff going on. If you really, really check. So if you really want to uh, prove the mind, you don't want to really go down, then your body is more time. Uh, I, I won't be staying back for you to come in front here and then ask. Leaving exactly at that meeting. So if you want to ask anything, this is your chance. If not, we can leave now. Earlier you actually mentioned about. Earlier you mentioned about. Um, we are feeling out good enough and we were very special to be mentioned, especially first child. So that she's quite curious. Why? Like I noticed that the Malays don't seem to have that much wrong, that they don't have that wrong as much as the Chinese do. And I think that has to do with parenting, it's cultural. The uh, psychological issues come from our childhood. Before the age of 20, when things happen to us because our 
even physically the brain is not very well developed yet. It's not fully mature yet. I, I, I read that the brain uh, only comes to when it stop growing uh, somewhere about 34 years old. So, which tells you that people that they teach will go get. Anyway, before we become mature as in an adult, we are not good at filtering things. We are not good at analyzing and distinguishing between right and wrong, distinguishing uh, between true and not true. So, which is especially when we are young, we absorb everything. So, if your parents tell you they use us over and over again, you are going to believe it. And even if they don't say such things are very directly, indirectly, they might say things. You see, uh, neighbor, uh, 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 neighbors are always so dull, why are so useless, they're so stupid, or uh, well, even they don't feel very stupid. They think, oh, so it's not so clever and all that. They can say, well, we need something wrong about me, right? Sometimes, like, you know, oh, so, so pretty. Why am I so pretty? So, uh, things like that. Uh, it is already uh, it's very much Chinese culture to say such things. Uh, it's less than before, and that's what I've observed. Uh, but it's still there, and uh, I think for people on this age, I mean, you, you probably have experienced some level of that in your childhood. The two things one is this, and the other one is a uh, sense of subjugation. You feel that you control. Uh, you you do not you have to do things according to what your parents say. You don't have the right to make your own decision. Uh, that they kind of thing so that you grow up to you're afraid of a sort of people with authority. Uh, you afraid of asserting your your own needs. So this is also a become a So that's why I feel this itself. Uh, when once that thing is established and you don't see that as wrong, you perpetuate it, you will transmit it to your children. They will inherit all your stuff. Yeah, because this is not a physical gene, it is a cultural gene. So, but then if a person can become conscious of it, then even if he cannot use it, uh, can reduce it to some extent, and then therefore he is doing so much of it down to the next generation. So the next generation will be better. And that's, that's what my father did. I, and my mother, when I was young, my mother used to beat us. I think he was through uh, like, um, eating that I, I had bad digestion as a kid. And so I don't feel like eating. And my father didn't understand that, so when I didn't want to eat, he thought that was picky and all that, so he came to come and whack. Um, then I would cry, and then he would whack again and tell me to stop crying. Uh, and when you're whacking me, how does that So, uh, and he would hit us for very, very minor things. And so, when he gets irritated, he'll do that. And then, Somehow stopped when I was twelve, and uh, which surprised me. My brother is, how come he did that? Because we expected the events and things happen. That didn't happen. 
So that's another improvement. Yeah. It's, this is what we need to do. Even if you can't free yourself, then at least you don't pass down the stuff to the next generation. You can actually even do it out of love for the next generation. And, uh, a lesser thing that uh, happens in a month time is this the, um, the abuse. This is very, very much less abuse, physical abuse or sexual abuse. That's less, less. But if that kind of thing happens, that's very, very sticky. It's very likely to go on for the next generation. But still, people can be so conscious of it that they really, really choose not to do it. They can tell themselves, never ever treat my children that way. Not that that's not doesn't mean that they would necessarily be able to do it. Huh? People will tell themselves that the child, and when I grow up, become a parent, and I children never treat my children that way. But then, when they, when they become an adult, a parent, they actually do the same thing. And then, suddenly, maybe they realize, I'm doing the same thing. If they realize at all. So, because this thing is so internalized, it's very difficult to sometimes even see. Because you have justified your parents' behavior. You justify your parents' wrong behavior, then very, very likely to do the same. So, if we don't have to justify our parents' bad behavior, neither do we have to, uh, neither do we have to blame them for the rest of our lives. Yeah, because they also, uh, are like you, they got it from the previous generation. And you can see a bad behavior, wrong behavior, as wrong behavior without things. Still a wrong behavior, but you don't have to personalize it. So in that way, you, 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 you're on the middle path. Uh, middle path is not halfway there, halfway there is the path. So why is that? Three more minutes. Last question. I think no more question. I can throw it. <laughs> okay, so uh want to share that so. Yes. Okay. So this ritual to share uh, I think this is more than just a ritual. If you were to take it seriously, then what we have done today, if you were to take that all very seriously and put it to practice, then it definitely is going to uh, be something that will affect others around you. So, basically, that would be a day. Very good day. Very good much Maris. Very much Maris. Listening to the Dhamma. Listening to the Dhamma. Discussing the Dhamma. Discussing the Dhamma. Observing the precepts. Observing the precepts. And other meritoristics. And other meritoristics. That we share. And that we share his merits. With our parents. Teachers. Teachers. Other relatives. Other relatives. Friends. 
brands of the other ones, of the other ones,